This passage can be found on the screens behind me or in your bulletin. Mark 2, 13 through 17. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to them, follow me. And he rose and followed them. And as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with the tax collectors and the sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well are in no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning to all of you. Thank you, Wesley. Well, we come to this, uh, in our study of the Gospel of Mark, we come to one of my favorite stories about Jesus, and the title is Jesus, Friend of Sinners. And uh, I just think that is an amazing gospel truth we're gonna get a chance to talk about today and uh, excited to talk about that with you. So over the years, as many of you know, Molly and I have really been, have just loved getting to know uh, a lot of people who actually do not attend church, who are not followers of Jesus. There's people in our neighborhood or around town that we've gotten to know. And uh, they come from all sorts of political backgrounds, all sorts of lifestyle backgrounds, all sorts of beliefs. They don't necessarily uh, agree with me on everything, but we have become friends with these people. And recently I talked with one of them. You know, a lot of people believe, if you think about the people that this morning are jogging around Lake Baldwin or back in your neighborhood, wherever they're going, doing something other than church, it's easy for us to believe that those people are not interested in Christianity, that they're not interested in the gospel. And I've found, I've, I have found that as I have gotten to know people and learn their stories and listen to their stories and built a friendship with them, I found actually something different. I found a lot more openness than we might, might realize. And recently there was, a, uh, there was a friend who was talking to me. This is a person who has different beliefs than I might have on certain issues, different cultural issues or whatever. And yet, this person is interested in learning about Jesus and interested in the community that is offered by a church. So recently, she was talking to me and she said, Mike, what would it be like if we came to your church? What, would it, what kind of welcome would we receive? Uh, would, 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 would we be accepted in your church? And I was so taken off guard. I mean, this, she, she reached out to me. This is a person that we just have a great friendship with. And, and I just thought it was wonderful news that she was interested in being part of a church and coming to church. And I just mumbled out what I thought would be my best answer. She, she was kind of like, Mike, just shoot straight with me. Tell me. And uh, it was really a, really a good conversation. And I remember talking later to a friend of mine about how he would have handled that conversation with a person who has different, different beliefs on some pretty major things and what would it be like for them 
to come and be a part of a church like ours. I'll never forget what my friend said to me, and I'll, I'll probably use it in the future. He said, all of us that come to church, so this would be all of us here this morning, all of us at Lake Baldwin Church, all of us come, we experience the welcome of Jesus, but we also experience the challenge of Jesus. We experience, all of us here, there was a time when you weren't a believer in Christ. There was a time when you weren't following Jesus. But when you came to Jesus, you experienced the welcome of Jesus. And what we learn in this passage is that the welcome of Jesus involves Jesus welcoming people into a community of the forgiven. When it talks about sinners in this passage, that is a label that would, would apply to all of us in this room. But Jesus wel has welcomed us into a community of the forgiven. We see Jesus in this passage having a banquet, having a feast with these sinners. And we realize that this is a picture of the feast that we all experience every month when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, and it is a picture of the great messianic feast that will be in the future. And there is Jesus' welcome in this passage. It is, a, it is a beautiful thing. And all of us get to experience that. But then there's also Jesus' challenge. There's the challenge in this passage to Levi, to leave his tax booth and to follow Jesus. And we've all experienced that challenge here. When you come to faith in Christ, there is a welcome, but there is also a challenge. There's a challenge in this passage to the Pharisees because we realize that as Jesus was a friend of sinners, Jesus has called all of us in this room who have experienced his welcome to extend friendship, to, exchange, ex, to extend care to people that are not yet part of the church, people that are outside of Christ, to extend that same friendship to others. The Pharisees criticized Jesus for being a friend of sinners. And yet the challenge to all of us is to think about in the same way that I have experienced the welcome of Jesus as a sinner, Jesus calls me to look around all the people around me that don't have a relationship with Christ, that don't come to church, to realize that uh, their souls are valuable to God and that God wants me to take a step of faith and be friends with them. You see, even in this passage, there is both a welcome and there is a challenge. Jesus, the friend of sinners. So let's talk about that for the next few minutes. We're gonna look at three things in this passage. One, we're gonna see, first of all, that Jesus calls sinners. We see that in the call of Levi. And then second, we're gonna see that Jesus feasts with sinners, and we're gonna look at this great banquet that Jesus is a part of. And third, we'll see that Jesus heals sinners, and he heals them in, in the deepest way that is, that he forgives, forgives them of their sins. Jesus calls sinners, Jesus feasts with sinners, and Jesus heals sinners. We're gonna walk through this passage together. Let's talk first of all about how Jesus calls sinners. I wanna, want you to look at this call of Levi, Levi in verses 13 and 14, so you can look at it in your bulletin or in your Bible. And let's just talk about how Jesus calls sinners in this passage. It is such a, a great story. It says that he went out again beside the sea and all the crowd was coming to him and he was teaching them. Isn't this always true that Jesus is out there and he's teaching? Remember, the kingdom is near. Repent and believe the good news. This is what Jesus wants to do. He, Jesus wants 
everyone to hear this message and so he's teaching them. But he's walking along the sea and he comes upon the tax booth that's there. Now you have to understand the taxing system there. Levi was probably part, uh, he was in the employ of a man by the name of Herod Antipas who governed that territory and he was beholden to the Romans. And so you would have these tax booths where you would tax goods that are coming through. You would tax the fish. You would tax people as they are coming through. And it was strategically located in uh, Capernaum along the Sea of Galilee where people would come and they would have to pay their taxes to go through. The thing about this taxing system, though, is that it was like a franchise. You had a taxing franchise and you had to give so much to the government, that is the tax official did, but there was all this corruption, so they would add to those taxes and they would get wealthy, they would enrich themselves. And so Levi was a Jewish person, he was in this Jewish community, but he had betrayed his people. He is now working for the government, for the Roman authorities, and he is not only imposing the tax that they require, but he is enriching himself. And so all these tax gatherers would do that back then. They were despised by the people, they were the scum. And so Jesus comes along, and it says in verse 14 that as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me, and he rose and followed him. Now this is, in the Gospel of Mark, you see a lot of surprises in his stories. Mark is a great storyteller. One of the things he does is he uses these surprises, because when Jesus called Simon Peter, when he called James and John, when he called Andrew, these were fishermen. These were accepted members of society, but now Jesus is taking a risk and he's calling a tax gatherer by the name of Levi to follow him. So Jesus calls sinners and he calls a very unlikely person in this passage. Well, what do we know about Levi? Well, we know that he was a tax gatherer. We know that he's, he, he perhaps had heard about Jesus as other people had. But when you read the parallel passage in the Gospel of Matthew, you find that Levi was his original name, but by the time he writes his Gospel, his name is Matthew. And so the same story that we read in Mark chapter two, if you go to the parallel passage in the Gospel of Mark, it is Matthew, the Gospel writer, who is, is telling the story, and he refers to himself as Matthew. The word Matthew means gift of God. So you've got this person that Jesus has called, this sinner, this tax gatherer, Levi, but he starts to follow Jesus and he ends up being a gospel writer with a name that means the gift of God. Kent Hughes, who is a, a great commentator on the, this gospel of Mark, tells a story about the time centuries ago where a huge marble slab arrived in the city of Florence, Italy. The goal of that marble slab was so that sculptors, the expert sculptors of the day, people like Donatello, would sculpt it into uh, a statue of a sculpture of like an Old Testament figure or some, something, uh, some great story that they would tell. And this big marble slab came in, but the marble slab was flawed. And so Donatello, who was one of the leading sculptors of his day, refused to actually use that marble slab for its purpose, what he was supposed to do with it, and he passed it up. 
But a little bit later, there was another sculptor who came along and he looked at that marble slab and he pictured in his mind something beautiful, that he could create that slab into something beautiful. And so he worked on it, and then it was on January 15th, 1504, that his work was unveiled. And all these people had gathered, all these dignitaries, all of these artists, all of these sculptors in Florence. And this huge statue was draped, and this was gonna be the unveiling of that statue. And when it was unveiled, what people saw was Michelangelo's statue of David, which you can see to this day in Florence, Italy. You see, Michelangelo looked at that slab and he saw something beautiful and he created it. You know what the Bible teaches when Jesus calls sinners, when Jesus calls you and me? That God looks at your life and Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship. We are God's work of art. God is our Michelangelo. And when he calls us, he doesn't leave us the same, but he shapes us into something beautiful. We are his workmanship. We are his work of art. And so when you come to Christ and you're saved and you're forgiven for your sins and you follow Jesus, for everybody in this room, God's plan is to shape us not into the image of David, but into the image of Christ. That is God's plan for our spiritual growth. So that's what God, God does when he calls sinners. And that's what he does in the story with Levi. Well, it's not the end of the story, though, because the next thing happens is that Jesus not only calls sinners, but Jesus feasts with sinners. I want you to take a look at this next verse Verse 15 in Mark chapter two, and look at what happens here because there's this, there's this banquet that happens. It says, as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Now what's going on in this story? Well, reclining at table, that's the way that they used to eat back in those days. They didn't have chairs that they would pull up, but they would recline at table. And they were just having this big feast and there were all these tax gatherers and sinners. One of the things I wanna say about this is that because of this banquet, there is something special about hospitality. There is something special about food when people come together. A lot of you know that um, Molly and I have been hosting for the last seven weeks or so a, a dinner group that we call Christianity Explored and we go through a seven week series, a video series, but it always starts with dinner. And we just laugh and we have a great time. And what we tell people when we host the dinner group of Christianity Explored, we say, we're gonna have good food, we're gonna have great, uh, uh, great wine, and we're gonna have enjoyable conversation together. And so we come together and we have this food. Well, Molly prepared the first week and then Molly prepared the second week and then suddenly everybody else in the room wanted to bring food. So then somebody decided they were gonna bring Swedish food and we had Swedish meatballs. And then somebody was gonna bring Iranian food, Persian food. And so suddenly we had all this, this Persian food one week. We, uh, we got to uh, Cinco de Mayo and we had Mexican food, and we had an amazing time together, and people brought margaritas and all that kind of stuff. And then we got to, uh, we got to another, we had, we had Taiwanese food that night, and just every, every week, it was just this feast together, but it was a lot more than just being about eating, because what the food became for us is that it was symbolic 
of the fellowship. It was symbolic of the community that we can enjoy that food together. It's like, it's just humans gathering around a table and laughing and getting to know each other. And that's the, there's something powerful not only in friendship, but there's something powerful in hospitality and powerful in food. Now I want you to think about Jesus at this banquet that he's at with these tax gatherers and sinners. And think about what would Jesus be like in that situation? I'll ask you several questions about it. First of all, do you think that Jesus enjoyed the food when he was with them? He did, he loved it. Jesus enjoyed that food. Uh, do you think that Jesus laughed when he was with tax gatherers and sinners? Do you think he was uptight or do you think that he, he laughed? Do you think that Jesus was a good conversationalist with them? and all the stuff that he could have talked about with these tax gatherers and said, remember these are the outcasts of society. Was he a good conversationalist with them? Did he, was Jesus interested in their stories? And I would think that's true because Jesus is reclining at table with them and he's experiencing this, this great feast. I alluded to this earlier, but as you think about this banquet that's going on, a lot of commentators believe that this banquet is really a picture of the messianic banquet that's talked about in Isaiah 26, foretold in Isaiah, and also described in Revelation chapter 19. This is gonna be this great messianic banquet. What's weird about it to the, to the Pharisees is that Jesus is having a banquet, but it's not the guests that they thought would be there. It was all these tax gatherers and sinners. And so just a, just a, a, a beautiful thing to see Jesus in that setting and enjoying that dinner with them. You know, over the years, as we've thought about uh, some of the friends that we've made kind of in our neighborhood and in our community, one of the things we'll do is we'll have themed dinners. We'll have Oktoberfest, we'll have St. Patrick's Day, we'll have these dinner parties, and we'll just invite people over. This passage has changed my paradigm of how to relate to non-church people. This passage has changed my paradigm. It has freed me up to enjoy being with non-believers. And I'll tell you how, it, how it's done that for us. Because when, we, when Molly and I first became Christians, we had a lot of non-believing friends and that kind of thing. But I noticed in my own heart that it was, easily to, it was easy for me to get into a Christian bubble and to sort of every once in a while just come out of that bubble and say something about Jesus and crawl back in and I didn't enter into relationship, I didn't extend friendship to people. So one day we thought about this and we had a real paradigm shift in how we would relate to people that were outside the faith and we'd invite them into our home and here are several, several of the ways that we think about it now with this passage in mind is one of the things we come, we just wanna laugh with, we wanna have great conversation, great food, laugh and learn their stories and we're not, gonna, uh, we're not gonna try to change people's political beliefs when they talk about stuff. We let them, we just let that sit there. All these different beliefs, that's not our mission, to change their political beliefs. We do not feel that we need to be a lifestyle referee. We don't need to, there are people that are doing things differently than the way, the way we would and what we believe but we don't feel that it's our job at that moment to be a lifestyle referee. And then we're freed up also to not do kind of a bait and switch where we sort of in an uncomfortable way introduce 
let's say, our faith and stuff that we want to talk about in a way that feels unnatural. Now, over time, God gives us opportunities to talk about Jesus, but we don't need to do it in that type of a way, but we can do it in a more natural way. But this passage has really set us free as we think about this, the fact that Jesus feasts with sinners. I'm almost, I think the word sinners is a good word because that's what we see in this passage, but I want you to understand that when Mark is using the word sinners here, when Jesus is using the word sinners, it's almost ironic because it's implying that the Pharisees are not sinners. It's, it's, it's almost implying that the religious people are not sinners. But what Jesus is saying here is he's using sort of a technical term. The Pharisees felt that if you were not religious and you didn't follow the law the way they taught it, they would label those people's sinners. So it was a technical term back then. You and I both know, according to the Bible, that all people are sinners, that you and I are sinners. And so we're not actually living with this dichotomy that the Pharisees lived with, but that's the language that Jesus is using here, and I wanted you to realize that. So Jesus calls sinners, Jesus feasts with sinners, but then here's the good news, Jesus also heals sinners. And I choose the term heals because Jesus refers to himself, he uses this analogy or this proverb of a doctor here. Jesus is the doctor of our souls. He is the physician that we need. And we're talking here not, not like physical healing, but the deepest healing which we need, which is the forgiveness of sin. So let's talk here about how Jesus heals sinners and chat about that for a few moments. Notice verse 16. We get the response of the scribes of the Pharisees. Now, when it's verse 16, by the way, when it uses the term the scribes of the Pharisees, the scribes are like the writers. These are the scholars. So the Pharisees are very meticulous about their religion. They are separated from the regular people. They believe that if you had table fellowship with sinners, then you became unclean. See, that's their big concern for Jesus. So they're looking at this thing. Here's a rabbi. Here's a guy that's supposed to be a teacher of the Bible, and he's, he's in the presence of and having table fellowship with, again, hospitality, table fellowship, very significant to us, very significant to them, and they believe that that makes Jesus a sinner. So verse 16, and the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with, tax, with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, they didn't even go all the way to Jesus, they just said it to his disciples, but they wanted to play gotcha. Remember, this was the first cancel culture, was the Pharisees. And they said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And once again, Jesus sort of sniffs this out. He knows what they're, talk what they're talking about. He knows what's going on. And so look at what he says in verse 17. He actually talks about his mission his mission of why Jesus came to earth. This is really key because if this is Jesus' mission, then this is also our mission. When we read this, he had a mission and we are aligned with that mission. So look at what he says, verse 17. When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous but sinners. What Jesus is saying here is very similar to what he says in Luke chapter 15 where he got the same kind of criticism. He explained, how many of you, 
If you've lost a sheep, wouldn't leave the 99 sheep to go after the one that's lost because sheep matter. And remember, souls have value to God. And so if people are outside of Christ, you will pursue the lost sheep. That's what Jesus, the way Jesus explained it in Luke chapter 15. But in this passage, he uses the analogy of a doctor and he says, doesn't it make sense that a doctor would be with sick people? That's who they hang out with, and I came for them. I came for these sick people to be around them. And remember, it's not that the Pharisees are not sick, it's that they are not aware of their need. Their pride is blocking him, and they don't believe they need a physician spiritually. They don't believe that they need a savior. And Jesus says, I have come to those who realize, I have come to call those who realize they are sinners. Reminds me of, uh, it was actually during COVID times that our son-in-law, uh, one day, just in the middle of the day, just, just fainted in his house. And our daughter didn't know what to do, so she called 911, and 911 dispatched a, some paramedics to go and check on our son-in-law, who had just collapsed at home. And uh, of course, I was gonna get over there as quickly as I could and see what was going on as well. And so, of course, the, the paramedics beat me to the punch and they were there to, to be there with my son-in-law. And what was really cool is I walked in and these paramedics were actually firemen who were wearing like hazmat suits because of COVID. They were being, they, they had to sort of do their job in the midst of COVID, and so they didn't want to spread anything around. But there they were in, uh, in my daughter's house, my son-in-law's house, and I looked at one of them, he's this big muscular guy. It was James Fussell, who goes to our church. And it was so cool to see, I was so relieved to see that James was there, and he had already checked on Luke and done all this stuff, and he's got his like, you know, James is all covered up. James is a fireman, but he's also trained as a paramedic, and so, his, wherever he was at in his firehouse was right around the corner and he was the first to get to Luke. And so we wouldn't, we wouldn't say, James, what are you doing? Why are you here? No, no, he needs to be where he's needed with those who are sick. And that's what we see in Jesus in this passage. This is why Jesus would choose to hang out with tax gatherers and sinners, why he would choose to feast with them despite the criticism that he received from the Pharisees. This word uh, that we see in the passage at the end of verse 17, he says, uh, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. One commentator talks about that word call, and it's like, it's like that invitation to the banquet. I've called to give out these invitations to the banquet, and that's the mission of Jesus, and that is what he did. So uh, this is the story, Jesus uh, friend of sinners. So what do you think about? What do you think about this story? What do you think about Jesus being a friend of sinners? Is it, is it shocking? Does it affect your own paradigm? Do you, do you sense in your own heart both the welcome of Jesus but also the challenge of Jesus? Well, what I want to do in the next few minutes is, uh, man, I'm looking at the time. We're gonna, I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to finish this sermon early today. I'm not sure what to do about that. I mean, we're gonna have all this extra time or something, so I hope that's okay, but can I give you a little bit of application, a little bit of encouragement from this passage? So, um, 
One of the things that, I, that, that is really good about this story is this idea that Jesus calls people. And you might wonder, well, how does Lake Baldwin Church, uh, I mentioned earlier that I believe that a lot of the non-church people, of which it's about 70% in Central Florida, I believe that a lot of the non-church people are more receptive to the gospel than we believe they are. But all they need is a trusted friend to whom they can ask their questions. So how does Lake Baldwin Church think about the non-church people around us? How do we approach that? Well, in my view, you want to build bridges to people in ways that are really natural. So we have several bridges that as a church, and a lot of you are involved in this, a lot of you uh, walk across these bridges and you've got your, your friends with people that are outside of Christ and who don't know Christ, and you guys are amazing with this, but the, the most important bridge we have is the bridge of friendship. Just getting to know people without agenda and just getting to know them and getting to know their stories, so it's relationships. But another bridge that we use is events. Events, now what do we mean by events? Well, one of the things that we do is we engage the community by participating in events. I'll give you an example. Over the years, we have participated in, on around 4th of July, it actually takes place on July 3rd, the uh, Independence Day Bash that is sponsored by Baldwin Park. So we have people from around the city that'll come and help out with that, but if you go to this event on the evening of the 3rd, you've got thousands and thousands of and thousands of people, and you've got this big street fair happening. You've got all these organizations and all these people. So Lake Baldwin Church has a double booth at this street fair. So we have Captain America, we play cornhole, we give out ice cold water because people are so thirsty, and we have a koozie around that bottle of water that has our website. And we decorate it, and there's all kinds of stuff going on. One of the things I like about it is we get, to, we get to meet the public. A lot of people come up and we talk, people we do know, people we don't know, and it's a great time. Well, several years ago, we did this event. We participated, we were giving out water, and there was a couple that came up. Now remember, we don't know what God is gonna do in people's hearts. This is the wild card here. The wild card here is the Holy Spirit. We don't know what God's gonna do. So somebody gave to this couple, both of them, a bottle of cold water. And this couple learned about Lake Baldwin Church. The next day, they showed up at church. And they came in there, and then we went out to lunch with them, and we got to know them, and we found out that though they were raised in a church background, they had never, um, they were uncomfortable with what they were learning. Their daughter had come to faith in Christ, and they realized that there was something missing in their life. And so we began to spend time with them, we invited them into a Christianity Explored group, and they began to fall in love with Jesus, want to follow Christ. I remember the husband once said, when we talked about grace, and we talked about the gospel, he said, I used to think that it worked like this, but I realize it works like this, because he understood the gospel of grace. And I share that story with you for a couple of reasons. One, it's like that tax booth. We don't know the people that the Holy Spirit has already marked, but we wanna, we wanna build a bridge to them and we wanna build a relationship with them. And so we're gonna do that again this year. COVID's over, sorta, and we're gonna actually, they're gonna have this event and Lake Baldwin Church is gonna have a booth. And we, I would, would love to have 
as many of you as would like, take a step of faith, show up for one hour, for two hours, help us set up the booth or help us tear down or give out some cold water or play cornhole with people and then watch the fireworks afterwards and it is a great time. So if you're interested in taking a little step to get out there and to be sort of friends with sinners, we would love to include you in that. I wanna give you one more application and this has to do with the relationships that many of you have with the non-believers around you. I wanna share this, this is another story, this is kind of a recent story. Uh, Molly and I always walk around Lake Baldwin. We, we're always meeting people, <clears throat> chatting with people, and one, of the person that, one person that we've gotten to know is actually a Russian speaker. And I remember talking to her and saying, uh, are you from Russia? She goes, no, I'm from Ukraine. And she says, I'm actually from the eastern part of Ukraine. Well, at that time, Russia had not invaded. I just sort of knew this was going on with her. And uh, so, but later on, after the invasion, we met her, we introduced ourselves to her, and, and we began to talk with her. And she was on the phone to her mom, who lives in, in, a, in a city called Donetsk in the Donbass region of eastern Ukraine where the war is raging right now. So there we are, we're talking to this person, she's got her mom on the phone way over there, and we're just imagining what, what they might be feeling. And all we could say at that moment was we wanted to make sure we knew her name and just to let her know, say, look, tell your mom that your American friends are worried about her too. Now we don't know what's gonna become of that, uh, but I think there's a, there, are, there are times in people's lives that are those moments when they might become a little bit more receptive to friendship, a little bit more receptive to relationship. So that's just to encourage you. You've got people all around you that are going through things, and as you build those relationships, you can connect with them. One last thing I'll, I'll mention is I wanna say a word about the invitation of Jesus or the welcome of Jesus, because there may be some of you here this morning who perhaps have never responded to the welcome of Jesus and the call that Jesus extends to you to follow Christ. And I wanna talk a little bit about, I'll talk for a moment about how to do that. I'm getting out my wallet because I wanna get out a, a dollar bill here. One of the things uh, we recently had in Splash, we had the, the anchor weekend, and so the elders and I are actually following up with fifth graders to talk with them about their faith. In fact, even if your kids were not part of the Anchor Weekend, and if you would like for us to talk with your child about their faith, to prepare them for First Communion and for worship, and to really confirm their faith, just let us know. We would, we would love to do that for the families and the children here. But we're, we're following up, and I remember meeting with one of, the, one of the fifth grade children just the other day. We had, a, we had a fabulous time talking together about Anchor and about the Gospel. And I was reminded of somebody that used to be part of our church by the name of Catherine Norcross. Catherine, I got to know her in high school. She was in our youth group and now she's grown up and married and starting to have kids and all that. But Catherine and I were involved in a project where we were serving the city together. We were working with sort of the, the Saturday detention at Glen Ridge Middle School and we were doing it together and we had all these kids there for detention. And I remember asking Catherine, Catherine, how did you come to faith in Christ? In other words, what, how, how did you experience the welcome of Jesus? So there we were 
with all these kids. And this is what Catherine said to me about how she came to faith in Christ. I'll never forget this. She said, well, it was my pastor back in Arkansas. When I was a child, my pastor talked to me and explained the gospel. So Catherine learned that Jesus is the Son of God. She learned that she was a sinner, learned that Jesus had died for your sin, her sins. And the question was, how do you respond to the gospel? And what, what her pastor did was the pastor held out a dollar bill for her. And he says, I'd like to give you this dollar bill. What do you need to do to make it your own? And she realized that she needed to simply receive it, to accept it, and to thank him for the dollar bill. And so he gave her that dollar bill, and she has saved it for the rest of her life, that moment when she accepted Christ into her life. And I share that story with you because the Bible says we need to come to Christ as children, and we need to welcome. We, he gives us his welcome, but we need to respond to him, and we need to receive Christ. And so whether you're a child or whether you're an adult, if you, are uns if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that you're a sinner, that you need a Savior, what I would like to do this morning is invite you to accept the welcome of Jesus and say to him, Jesus, I accept what you've done for me. I welcome you into my heart. And like Levi, I want to follow you. I want to give you that invitation today. Let's pray together. Lord, we look at the story and we see the life of Jesus and we realize that friendship is such a powerful thing. We see that hospitality is such a powerful thing. Lord, you have called us as a church to follow in your steps, to be a part of your mission. We pray that all around us, your Holy Spirit would be at work to bring people to saving faith in Christ. And Lord, we also want to thank you that you have gathered us, sinners like Levi, into a community of forgiveness and a community that feasts together. Enable us by your grace, Lord, to experience the growth that you have for us, just like Michelangelo's David. Would you shape us as a community? Would you shape us spiritually? Would you empower us as we follow Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray.